Hello and welcome. Welcome to the World Healing Tour podcast, where our mission is to help you heal yourself so you can heal the world. Hi, my name is Noah Crane. Each week, we will bring you tips and tools and inspire you to live your most empowered and joyful life. I'm also the founder of the 3G Effect, a daily practice to keep you heart-centered in everything you do, having a positive attitude and a positive mindset by practicing three important elements. Element number one, every day, remember to have a grateful heart and connect to your gratitude. When you're in a place of gratitude, you're a place of being present in this moment and focusing on what is working in your life right now rather than what is not working. Therefore, you're connecting more to positive feelings and positive emotions and drawing that positivity into your life. So remember every day to have a grateful heart. In this moment, what are you grateful for? Element number two. Every day, make sure you are grounded in love and compassion. First, love and compassion for yourself, because everything starts with you. When you're in a place of love and compassion, you're in a place of let, removing the judgments, not being in judgment of yourself, and finding more self-love, more forgiveness, and more acceptance of yourself. When you're in that place of love and compassion, you are also grounded in yourself, grounded in who you are. You believe in yourself, and therefore you can put more love into the world. So the more we have love and compassion for yourself, the more we can share that with others and make this world a better place. So remember today to ground in love and compassion. And number three, element number three that's really important, every day know that you are guided by God. God, higher power, spirit, energy, whatever you want to call it, just know, I call it God, so I'm going to talk from the place of God, that God is inside you, God is beside you, and God is all around you. Open your heart and soul to God. God will, you can ask him for help, for support in your journey, and God will guide you towards better places in your life. If you just learn to listen, God will send you messengers and messengers that are just for you to help guide you on this journey. So I do those things every single day, and you'll see when you're every day, do those three different actions, your life will really change in a more positive directions. And you will see miracles start happening in your life because you will stay in a positive attitude and a positive mindset. And therefore, you will draw more positive people, experiences, and things into your life. Don't we all want more of that in our own lives? Yes, we do. So today, I'm really excited um, about my guest and the topic we're going to be talking about. Uh, we're going to be talking about, so I believe that we got to take care of our body so our body can take care of us, you know, and our mindset, our body, everything's connected to each other. So today's guest, he's going to be talking a lot about health and your well-being and how to stay healthy, right? Because we have to take care of ourselves first in order to do great big things in the world. So I'm going to introduce him. Dr. James Marinakis is a businessman, international speaker, and premier formulated, uh, formulator of medicine. He's a dynamic authority on healthcare and its future integration into every aspect of living. Fortune 500 companies continually seek his guidance. James instructs and trains physicians, therapists, educators in the process of life extension and optimal performance. Dr. James, welcome to the World Healing Tour podcast. It's mm -hmm. such an honor to have you here today. Pleasure to be here. Thank you, Noah, for inviting me. 
It was interesting to listen to your description of God. That was an all-encompassing description, omnipotent, no doubt. Um, I have had a preoccupation with spiritual things most of my life. Actually, I found my way into healthcare through that. One of my degrees is traditional Chinese medicine. And as a young man, I was interested in martial arts before it became a popular thing. But I was interested in how they understood to do these extraordinary things. And what I found was there are principles, universal principles that are behind their martial arts that are actually also the same principles behind their medical arts. That's what God is, as a principle. And I studied the theories, and I was fascinated with them. These are things that some of you may have heard of the I Ching that's based on something called the five element theory. Five element theory is used extensively in traditional Chinese medicine, not only to treat people, but also to determine what's taking place and inside of somebody, why they're sick, for example. And other principles like that are foundational to their lifestyle. They're much more annealed to the citizens of China in rural areas than the modern people in China today. The modern people in China today are just like us. Women wear Gucci clothes, they wear <laughs> high heels, they love makeup, they love Americans, they watch TV, what can I say? But the rural people of China, and still the largest part of the population, live according to traditional principles of life, which are very interesting. And I was called into healthcare. I never wanted to be a physician. I wanted to know why people got sick. I wanted to know what they needed to do to get well. At, at a young age, a young teenager, I was 13 when my father passed away, and he died of cancer. Nobody knew why he had cancer. He's a big, strong guy. He was like a linebacker on a pro football team. He was from the island of Crete. That's where my family comes from. Actually, Maranakis is, a is one of the most common names there. It may be the most common name on the island of Crete. And uh, kind of like DiCaprio, the only place anyone knows is, is in Italy. But the guy didn't want to die. And I'm in a hospital, this big, huge place filled with physicians, uh, people running all over. I thought to myself, well, you must have to do something else. If you, if you have cancer and you want to live, you can't do this. It didn't work. And <clears throat> looking at the statistics for cancer treatment today, they're still not very good. There are lots of treatments. They may extend a person's life for a short period of time, but the idea of it going away doesn't exist in traditional medicine. Outside of traditional medicine, that's not the case. Um, there are solutions to every problem that people face, but it's hard to find the solutions, especially if you don't understand the nature of a human being, and most people don't. It's not part of our academics. Academics are designed to teach people what they need to know to socialize with each other. They're not about self-discovery. People who go into sciences, I have a degree in naturopathic medicine. We study the same sciences as an MD. I have a degree in homeopathic medicine, same science. They never teach you about meridian theory, which is the basis of Chinese medicine. Um, what is meridian theory? Well, you have energy coursing through your body. If you've ever been shocked by an electrical charge, you know that your body can conduct electricity very well. It, our bodies are actually made up of every type of energy that we know of, from magnetic energy to sound. 
they all activate our system. They're used as therapeutic devices because of that. And they're, they're actually pathways that course through the body. They're called meridians, channels and collaterals is what they call them in English. But the Chinese had discovered thousands of years ago that you could manipulate these and cause the body to recuperate itself if it had problems or even enhance the body so that you could live longer, be stronger, be smarter, and so forth. And actually, Eddie, as a teenager, I wasn't interested in diseases. I did want to know why people got sick, but I wasn't sick. And I did want to know what you needed to do to get well, but since I wasn't sick, I didn't need the information. I wanted it. But I was very interested in performance. Um, I got interested in nutrition on my own. I was uh, 17 years old, and I decided to become an athlete, but I lacked a couple of years of experience. And I asked my PE coach, what do you need to do to lose weight and get strong? And he says, well, wrestlers are pretty strong, they, they, and they lose a lot of weight. So I went out for wrestling. But a couple of years less experience than everyone in high school, you're not really competitive, and I didn't like that. So I was looking for a way to make up for my lack of experience. And what I discovered was nutrition. And the coach had told all of us to take one raw egg, a quart of orange juice, and a one-a-day vitamin, and that's all you needed. I did exactly that. Lost 30 pounds in just about as many days. But I was weaker. And I know three hours of back-breaking exercise every day is not making me weaker. So it has to have been this dietary change. So I go to the coach. I say, Coach, you know, I, I need to know more about this diet stuff. I'm weaker. He says, well, no one else is complaining, Maranakis. I go, complaining? I said, I'm trying to find out what to do here. So mm -hmm. I say, all right, you, he can't help me. So I go, back then you didn't have uh, mo you didn't have mobile phones. We had phone books. So I went to the phone book, and I got looked up health food, and I saw a health food store. It was one within a walking distance of my house. There were three in an entire metropolitan area at that time. You could find three within three blocks, five blocks of this place. You could find three health food stores. Well, in the Mecca, health Mecca of Phoenix, Arizona, there were three health food stores in the entire Valley of the Sun is what they call it. So I walked up to the store. It was I was the only person in the store <laughs> except an attendant. She looked like she was about 90 years old. She never even looked up from the book she was reading. She says, can I help you? I said, I need to learn about healthy foods. She goes, well, have you ever read Bragg? I said, oh, I might have done that once or twice, but I don't know what you're talking about. She laughed. She says, Paul Bragg. She says, go over to the bookshelf. She says, I suggest you read his health food cookbook. Not only does he tell you what to eat, but he tells you how to prepare it. I think you'll appreciate that. So I get the guy's book, read it, and I follow it to the exact letter. And I got strong. Twenty. I was as strong as people 20 pounds stronger than me. And they, they, they felt as you exercise with each other and you're wrestling, they could see that I had gotten, they were wondering, what the heck did you do? And I didn't tell them that was my competitive edge. So I knew that nutrition made a big difference, at least in performance. So years later, fast forward, mm. I wound up wrestling around with people much bigger than me. They thought it was pretty interesting that I could dominate them as an athlete. And I got hurt a couple of times. And one time I got hurt and a friend of mine had told me about an, a physician that helped him. He was a he was a little Jewish prize fighter. He was the all-service champion, lightweight ch boxing champion. And I think it was at the end of World War II. No, it, the Korean War. 
World War II. Take it back. It was World War II. And they wrote a story about this guy. It was in a book called From Here to Eternity. It's about a little Jewish prize fighter and a big Pollock that get into a fight in a quadrangle. It's a pretty exciting chap reading in the book. He was that guy. And he told me about an injury that he had recovered from and a doctor in Scottsdale, Arizona, that had treated him. And he, his arm had atrophied. He became crippled from the injury, boxing injury. And this guy completely rehabilitated and was nothing wrong with him. So after a couple of times of trying to fix my back that was bothering me, I said, called him, I said, hey, Tony, I said, I need to know who that doctor was that helped you out. He, he says, is that what you called me up about? He says, not even a high. I said, well, I'm in trouble, dude. He says, all right. He tells me I go to the doctor. He treats me and no problem. I'm fine. I go about my business. About a year later, same thing happens, fooling around. My back starts hurting, and this doctor was no longer around. So I went to at least a dozen different physicians to treat my back. And it was a pain, like a gnawing pain in my upper back. and didn't really bother. It would hurt if I turned my neck, but it wasn't really localized in one specific area. But the old man knew how to do it. He got rid of it just like that. Mm. So finally, I said, I'm frustrated. This isn't working. None of this is working. I, told him, I asked my doctor, who I went back to after 12 other practitioners, what do I do about this pain? He says, well, you need to come back. And I said, what do you, I said how long is it going to take? He says, well, you know, we don't have much control over these things, maybe a year. I said, a year? It took me three seconds to get this. You know, in your, in your 20s, you know, you don't think the same way you do after you get a little older. So anyway... I said, that's not going to work. And I got a hold of a friend of mine. I said, I need you to find this doctor. I need, I need his phone number. He was working for the phone company, a kid from high school. He says, all right, I'll see what I can do. I didn't know it, but there was a coalition of people trying to get this doctor back in practice. Long history back in those days. It's, I would say that anybody practicing outside of mainstream medicine was a target for I, I would say persecution really is what it was. I know people that went to jail for six months for telling somebody that had cancer that it would be good for them to take vitamin C. He was a health food store owner in Scottsdale. That doesn't happen anymore, but there were people that sat in jail and that had all kinds of problems. There were people that had to leave the United States to practice alternative medicine back in those days. It wasn't the same way it is, but now we won. You know, you can go anywhere. You can find alternative medical practitioners. You can listen to them on internet, TV, anywhere you want. This is a freedom that you should enjoy because it wasn't always here. Mm -hmm. Oddly enough, one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence was a medical doctor, and he wanted to put in a clause in the Bill of Rights guaranteeing people the freedom of choice in health care, and everyone thought, well, who's ever going to try and control your choice in health care? So they didn't put it in. They thought it was unbelievable that it would ever happen, but it did. It's not quite as bad as it was, but it, it's still difficult. Mm. So I, I wound up studying with this guy. who I went back to him. He treated me, gone just like that. And I thought, you know, you don't go and get osteopathy or chiropractics or neuropathy or massage. You go to get treated by John Smith or David Jones or Nellie whatever it's you go to a person and their skill set is really what determines whether they can do any good for you or not so when i was leaving the second time that this guy worked on i asked if there was any way you could study 
what he was doing. And he, w- he had only gone back into practice to find someone to teach. And I was the first person that asked. So the receptionist walks me back, and this guy proceeds to give me a syllabus of what to study. And uh, I did. I, it, I memorized the human anatomy within about two weeks and went back and told him. And he said, you don't mind me asking you some questions, do you? I said, no. And so he did, and he said, he was astonished. I could tell by the look on his face. He says, I, I want you to, he tutored me for three years. It, it was it was amazing experience. This guy was a famous physician. He graduated from veterinary school and was hired by the United States to do parasitology research. This was right at the turn of the 20th century. They'd been studying parasite infestation in the southeast United States for 100 years, hookworms. And he was hired, and three months into his job, he tells his partner, hey, Joe, I know how to get rid of this hookworm epidemic. He says, you do? He goes, yeah. <laughs> he told me the guy didn't even stop eating his lunch. He says, well, don't tell the boss. We'll get fired. And he got fired. Mm-hmm. And what he, all he did was overlap the life cycle of the parasite. They weren't treating the juveniles before they could lay eggs. That was common sense. It wasn't medicine that solved the problem. And he would tell me things like this. They were anecdotal, but they enabled me to understand things about healthcare that are not a part of a conventional education. And I went on, I got a degree in naturopathy after that. The year I graduated, I couldn't sit for the licensing exam in Arizona because the school had fallen out of favor with the board of examiners. The board of examiners wanted to put members on the school board and the school board didn't want them, thought it would be a conflict of interest. So they pulled their, their, um, their accreditation, and I couldn't sit for the exam after going all the way through and graduating with a degree in naturopathy. So I actually got a law passed in Arizona to license homeopaths. I got a degree in homeopathy, and when that law was passed, they made it for MDs and osteopaths only. I said, you know what? Something's telling me I got to do something else. So I, after fighting a big court battle in Arizona, went to California and I always wanted to study traditional Chinese medicine formally. I had studied it informally. And the very first schools of Chinese medicine were opened in LA, and they were, they were organized under what was called the Sino-American Rehabilitation Association. It was an attempt to reestablish diplomatic relations with China since the United States hadn't talked to China since the Cultural Revolution. And Nixon went with his people to China, and they saw people having their brain operated on while they were wide awake with acupuncture anesthesia. And it blew them away. They couldn't, they couldn't believe what they were seeing. And that is what they found to reestablish diplomatic relations with China. And so they brought it, acupuncture to the United States. And I went, heard about it, and I went to California, and I entered the first school there. It's called Samory University. And while I was in LA, I became very famous. Mm. I traveled all over the world and taught, and people would come and study with me. And, the clinic I had there was listed as the number one healthcare facility in Southern California. Number two was UCLA Medical Center. That blew me away. I mean, that's the most famous, prestigious medical facility on earth. And number three was USC. So I, I was I had a very good time there as a young, single, wealthy man. But I, I was not done studying, and I wound up coming to Florida mm-hmm. to study some advanced treat 
advanced areas of study in herbology and transpersonal psychology. But I changed my focus. I stopped working as a private practitioner and went into physician education. And I loosely termed it physicians, but I would also train therapists, psychotherapists, massage therapists, anybody that would extend what they were learning beyond themselves. And I had more people coming to me to study anyway, so it was a fairly easy transition. And I have done that up until this day, but about four and a half years ago, one of my students asked me to help him with some of his personnel. He, he's in the transportation industry. His name's Sean, if you come to the the symposium, you'll, you'll meet him. I think he's going to do a cameo for us. But he's a young guy whose life was falling apart. He had seen me help his sister-in-law, who was dying with leukemia, and she recovered. And his brother, who was having very difficult times uh, trying to recover his career in uh, accounting and business administration, and other members of his family. And his life started falling apart. He came and asked me if I would help him. I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm, how do you want me to help you? He says, well, you help my mother and you help my brother and you help my sister-in-law. I need you to help me. And he tells me what's going on. I said, well, look, I'm focusing on education. I'm leaving private practice. If you can accept that, there's nothing wrong with you anyway, right? And he was a very studious person. To this day, he's an avid reader, he studies, he's learned more about health and how to establish health and, and lifestyle than most physicians would, will ever know. He asked me if I would help him with one of his key people that was having a health problem and it looked like they were gonna lose him. And because of his experience, he had confidence. I said, well, if the doc his doctor will work with me, I don't practice as a licensed physician anymore, I just teach. I said, I can work with him. His doctor said, no problem. And I said, well, I need three months. And he recovered. The guy recovered. He asked me if I'd help him with another person, and I did. But he noticed that his business changed a lot. And nobody knew, knew he, nobody had the idea that people changing their lifestyle, getting more energy, becoming closer to the spirit would alter what was taking place in the performance and in their business. And his business kept growing, and he wasn't doing anything else. So he said, you know, is there any chance that the work you're doing with these people is helping my business? I said, yeah, I told you a few years ago. He says, well, wait a minute, what did you tell me? And I repeated He says, well, I kind of remember you saying that, but is, is that what you meant? I go, yeah, that's what I meant. So he goes, well, let's find out about this. He says, I'm gonna put three more people in the program and I'm just gonna track my business and see what happens. He puts the three more people in there. Business jumps a lot more. He says, he says this is almost too good to be true. He says, I'm giving all my direct reports into this. But I said, wait a minute, Sparky. I said, I, I agreed to help you with a couple of your people here. I said, I, I'm interested, but these are the things that are necessary. You need a clinic, small clinic dedicated to your people. You need structured education, a little bunch of things, and he did all of it. Hired doctors, they're working there, hired therapists, he did everything that I recommended, and he put all the people in, and his business jumped a lot more, and he says, I want in, we made a business, it's called EPI, which means Employee Performance Institute. And 
I, I was a team physician, like I mentioned to you earlier, at the 1984 Winter Olympics. And I worked on athletes from all over the world there. They came to me because what I was doing was very different. And Alex Georgi, who was a Gold Cup winner that year, Andreas Wenzel, who was a European ski champion, a bunch of people. Know, and I liked, I was an athlete, so I liked being there. In fact, I wanted to be an Olympic wrestler. I never got there, but I did get there as a physician, <laughs> which was kind of fun. And um, mm. have, you ever, have you ever been to the Olympics? No, I haven't. You'd like it. You get a tag. You get a dog tag. You get an ID. And you can go into all the venues if you're part of the Olympics. And, and I was with a small team from Costa Rica, so it didn't. I didn't have a big responsibility. So I got to go in and see everything. It was pretty cool. In fact, when the, the last footage of the 1984 Winter Olympics on television zeroed on me and my wife sitting in the audience. It was, it was really cool. And... Um, I've had a lot of good experiences. I trained the world's strongest man, Bruce Wilhelm. He won in, I think it was 1976 and 77. So, I mean, I've had a, a very eventful, successful career in every way that you could imagine. And I started to develop solutions for problems. This was just as a hobby on the side that there were no solutions for. When the first thing that I went after was non-healing wounds. And there are about 40 million people that suffer from wounds that won't heal. They have that classification and diagnosis because they've tried everything that they can. Usually the last thing they use is silver nitrate if that doesn't work. And that causes terrible scarring, is very painful. The only other solution for those people is amputation. And I think worldwide there are about 60 million people that get amputation every year. So I developed a medicine, works extremely well. Mm. Um, they're predicting that there'll be 175 million amputations a year by 2040. So this is a very serious problem. Um, I never knew that. I never knew how serious of a problem that is. So does that, the th protocol that you created, does that heal the wound? Yeah, actually it's an ointment. It's, huh. a, it's a medicine that you put on topically. And yeah, huh. it, it works extremely well. It, it's based on a homeopathic remedy, and it's a topical that you put on once a day and bandage it, and the next day you get up and go on about your business and do it. When people are in advanced stages, one of the people that uh, in Palm Beach County that was used as a case study here, the hospital in West Palm Beach, he had a partial amputation and gangrene into the bone, and it took three months, but he recovered. And it, it's, it's, it grows, the number of people with non-healing wounds grows directly proportional to diabetes. Diabetes is the fastest growing disease in the world. And it's, it's, rev, it's bad. And it's avoidable, right? Oh yeah, yeah, they're avoidable. So, so what are people, what are we like missing that we don't, like everybody wants to be healthy mm -hmm. and wants to you know, live a more healthy life, but it seems like there's so much misinformation there. What's some of the steps that people can take to start you know, being, getting healthy in their lives? What are some things that you would tell people that they can do? That they could go to EPI. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, you, you need to learn how to do things that you already know, but do them effectively. When you exercise, most people are over-exercising, and mo the, the largest percentage of people discontinue exercising at some point because they're, 
They're overtaxing their internal organs. They're not improving their health. They're changing their composition. They're changing their physique. They're getting stronger, healthier. They're athletes that aren't healthy. And they're even world record athletes that aren't healthy. But if you want to live a long time and you want to be free from disease, you have to learn how to exercise in a way that regenerates you. In fact, at that symposium in February, I'm going to take all 125 people through a program like they would if they came to me as a client to learn. They're all going to exercise. They're going to learn how to exercise in a way that brings back health. They're going to learn how to take certain supplements. They're things that people could take if they know about that can prevent them from worst-case scenarios. They're going to learn how to meditate in a way that's advantageous to your health. There are lots of different types of meditation, millions actually. But there's one way that you need to know how to meditate in order to get healthy, which is a meditation. The Japanese called it the no-mind state. Mm -hmm. And it was where you liberate all the thoughts, all the feelings, so that your mind gets clear. And you de-stress all the stress that's in your nervous system, all the stress that's in your heart and soul leaves, and then you find out who you really are. And at that point, you're already starting to get better. Meditation is used as a treatment in many places around the world. I meditate this morning, so I, I think it makes a huge difference for me. Even when I come to do the podcast, it gets me more grounded, more centered. Sure. You know, it makes a huge difference. So I think that's a very important thing because when we're meditating, we're going, I almost picture like when I'm meditating, I picture myself almost like swimming into the depth of the ocean where mm -hmm. there's calm. Mm -hmm. You know, I just imagine myself swimming in that calm. You know, I, I created that image in my, I don't know how, where it came from, but I think it really it makes a difference. It came from lifetimes of evolution, Noah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the interesting thing is that many people are like that. Meditation 5,000 years ago was something that every single person of influence did. It, meditation was one of the oldest known activities that human beings participated in. Why they stopped doing it, who knows? Yeah. Well, we're so pulled by the outside world. You know, the outside world really pulls us in so many different directions. And today the internet is more confusing than ever because everybody tries to Google everything and it's not always the correct information, you know? Well, there is a lot of misinformation, but the good thing about it is that we're hardwired to eventually get rid of misinformation. If something doesn't work, change it. If you're going to somebody for help, if you're going to a physician and you're not getting better, whether you like them or not, if you like them, go visit them. But if you're not getting better, find somebody else. Get to an expert that knows what to do. This is the bottom line. And it's there. Are, you don't have to find one person that knows everything. If you can, consider yourself blessed. I didn't say lucky. I said blessed. If you can find somebody that knows everything that you need to learn. But you can find out by going to different people. Nowadays, everything that you need to know is out there and is accessible. There are more supplements than you'll ever need to get healthy. There are fi only five ways in which people derive energy to keep themselves alive. I'm going to cover this, too, at the symposium because most people, they show up every day. They open their eyes. They smile. They're alive. They did it, right? Mm -hmm. It didn't just happen. They created the life they're in but they don't know how they did it. And there's a big disadvantage to that. I'm going to explain to people the five energy sources that they're using to keep themselves alive and how they're doing it. That changes people a lot just to have the knowledge. But when you apply it, and I'm going to show them how to apply it on a daily basis, that's what changes everything. 
if you take a vacation, it's great. Everyone loves vacation. Get a massage, it's great. But that's not what determines whether your health. What determines your health is what you do every single day. If you have a program that you follow every day, you can integrate it into your life. If you spend two or three out of every 24 hours taking care of yourself, you can be healthy as you want to be. People are going to start living a lot longer. They're, the health food industry is growing. It's exploding still, and it's going to get even bigger. And there are all sorts of new technologies coming out. Um, one of the things I'm going to share is uh, herbal medicine that I developed with my son. It's something that's a two-ounce liquid that you can take. It, a lot of people use it when they have infections, viral infections, especially airborne viruses. But what it does is it increases your natural immunity. It causes your body to produce what are called NK, or natural killer cells. They're the T cells that destroy virally infected cells or cancer cells or other types of aberrated cells in your body and get rid of them. And within a few hours, this herbal elixir causes your body to produce a huge number of these cells and they last for two or three days and it, it really makes you feel good and you sleep good and you wake up and it, it works great if you're traveling. People are known to be more susceptible to illness when they travel. It's because their natural immunity is directly proportional to their stress. That's why you got to stop worrying about things too. Let God worry. You don't need to. <laughs> yeah and I think that's part of it. You know stress you know, kills people, right? I mean, stress is a huge thing that um, will overtake our lives if we don't, we're not mindful of it. There are 10 diseases in the top 10 list of diseases that people die from. They're all degenerative diseases, which means stress. Mm -hmm. They Degenerative, they don't have enough energy. I mentioned walking, or I think I mentioned walking. I mentioned exercise. Mm -hmm. yeah. When you walk, you actually regenerate yourself. Now, before the last 100 years, we walked everywhere for the last 6 million. Mm -hmm. People were generating their health, their life, their condition all the time. When How long do we need to walk for to be healthy? Like what's, you know, could people say 10,000 steps a day? Is that true? Or, or a mile a day is enough? Actually, it's a really good question. It, it's not the number of steps. It's the amount of time you spend walking. Mm -hmm. If you, the number of steps can be used to reprogram your biological computer, which I'm going to show people how to do at the symposium. I'm literally going to show them exactly how to reprogram their subconscious mind in a way that will help them whether they're awake or asleep. And the, the distance doesn't matter. It's the number of steps that you take or in the duration of the number of steps that you take. The average person should not start out by walking more than 30 minutes a day if they're not walking at all. If you're young and you're healthy, you're like Emra over there, mm -hmm. you should walk 45 minutes a day. Mm -hmm. and, but if you g take a very, very long time to gradually increase the amount of walking, you'll do a lot better. Kind of simulate what happened when you were born. You came out, you started breathing, right? Mm -hmm. That's the most natural exercise. Nobody can stop breathing for very long. After you were breathing, you started wiggling. It took a while. <laughs> All the mothers know this. After you wiggled a little while, eventually you got to where you could roll around and turn over. It's a gradual process. And then eventually you could kneel up and stuff. And you're smiling. Oh, I'm up, you know? 
simulate that. You more gradually you increase the walking, the distance, the time you spend doing it, the better a foundation you have to rebuild your health. I have everybody walk. I walk every day. It's it's the most next to breathing. It's the most natural thing you can do, and it generates energy. But forty-five minutes a day is enough for people. If you have issues with your health, you can benefit by walking more. The most I've ever had anybody walk is an hour and 15 minutes. And walking produces a phenomenon. I don't know how many of you are marathon runners out there, but some of you must be. Jody Bear is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but marathon runners experience a phenomenon. After, they can't work out by running a marathon. They only do five or 10K or something like that. They don't run 25 miles. To, most exercises you practice going a little further than what you have to do when you perform, when you perform in the sport that you're in. Marathon running, you don't. You'll burn yourself out. In, when you walk, if you get to where you're walking an hour and 15 minutes a day and you get clear on an hour and 15 minutes, you can go back down to 45 minutes and maintain yourself indefinitely at 45 minutes and you'll be just as healthy as an hour and 15 minutes. But if you think about it, that's not much of a commitment. At 45 minutes a day, anybody can do that. Walking is a very profound movement that people take for granted in many different ways. For those people that understand patterning, bilateral movement, you restore people's mental faculties. E even mental retardation can be reversed through patterning, which is just bilateral movement. That's inherently part of walking. Walking is dynamic. The mm. most important thing, you have cardiovascular stimulation, which is important. You have the regulation of patterns of energy, but the generation of vital energy, what the Chinese call qi, mm. or what the Hindus call prana, the Japanese call ki, breath. yeah, the breath of life. Mm. It, it, it's generated by walking. Mm. I think it's interesting because from the old books, the Torah, the Bible, the Ayurvedas. There are many places where learned wise men were asked to help people that had emotional and physical problems. And invariably emotional problems, they would send them to travel to another location, maybe 350 miles away, and come back. And by then, their problems were solved. Walking, if you move your body, you move your mind energy you're moving you know you're moving energy and we need to feel good in our lives we have to move energy I absolutely that's the most important thing now also weight training um i find very important what what's your thoughts on that i do it like two three times a week but i find that you know to keep your muscles strong your bones strong mm -hmm. um i i always thought it's one of the most important things we should do as we age it depends upon what it is that you want to accomplish mm -hmm. i enjoy physical exercise um I I think that people have a tendency to copy other people when they do things more than design something for themselves. If you look at juveniles, they usually, if they've had no athletic pursuits at all, still are fairly lithe and muscular. And it's not just their youth. It has a lot to do with that foundation that was put in when they're really young. But they're active. Every time you move a limb, you activate your nervous system, and the nervous system responds by sending a message to your body, which is why if you lift weights, you 
you increase the size of your muscles. But you don't do it by making yourself stronger. Why is it that your muscles get stronger? Because you weaken yourself with an exercise. That activation of the nervous system is the part of it that's good for your health. And you don't have to lift weights to get that. All you have to do is make the movement. Calisthenics are probably better for your health than lifting weights. You can lift weights and help your health, but you have to lift light weights and lots of repetitions. The more you fire the nerve, it's like walking. Every time you take a step, you lift your body, and then you drop it. And you take another step, you lift it, drop it. And that up-and-down movement through the magnetic field of the Earth turns you into a living generator, like a, like a generator f that makes electricity. Electricity is generated by a conductor being passed back and forth through a magnetic field. You literally turn yourself into a living dynamo. And you, that energy can be turned into anything that you want. Yes, so with age, you know, our metabolism slows down. A lot of people put weight on as they get older, right? Mm -hmm. Would that continuous training and moving, would that keep, keep you everything burning faster? Would that make a huge difference in how you process? Sure. If you're healthy, your body regulates weight. Mm -hmm. It's you. Physical condition and health are not necessary variables of one another. It's We associate youth with health. But it really is more physical condition. Why? Because what do kids do? Do they drive cars? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. They, they walk everywhere. When they start driving cars, everything changes. Their, their, their physical condition changes. And by the time they get to be adults, unless they've kept up some kind of training or other, they lose the vitality of their youth. Exercise is good in general. But you have to think about what it is you want to accomplish. Do you want to be a meathead or do you want to be intelligent? If you do a lot of weightlifting, I'm not going to say you won't be as intelligent as somebody that does a lot of walking, but the likelihood is there. And if you want to live a long time, weightlifters are not known to live very long. Athletes are not known to live very long. Some do, not many. Vegetarians are known to live longer. Does everyone have to be vegetarian? No. But does it help? Of course it does. Otherwise, they wouldn't live longer. People that live a long time, every high centenarian population on Earth are, are people that do not drive around. They walk everywhere. Mm -hmm. If you look at Sardinia, they have the highest population of men over 100 years of age or anywhere in the world. And they walk literally everywhere. They eat very little. They eat these little tiny fish there that they dry out from rocks. And so they, they don't eat hardly any meat. Mm -hmm. But they eat fresh, organic vegetables that they grow themselves. Okinawa, Japan, that's where the highest centenarian population of women is. The same thing. They eat sea vegetables. They eat fresh food. They eat very little meat. They eat whole foods. They have fairly stress-free lives, and they walk everywhere. It seems like less is more. Would you agree with that? In what context? In the context of eating. I feel like we, we overeat. We overexercise. Mm -hmm. We overdo things. People do things to extreme. And I just feel like we, less is more. Like, you know, less friends. You know, less food. Less, like, as we get older, we have to change. Mm -hmm. We can't stay doing the same thing in our 20s that we do as we age, right? If you want to get healthy, study the seven deadly sins and avoid them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> less is more. Yeah. Don't be a glutton, you know. Mm -hmm. 
Don't be jealous. Don't be greedy. These are things that men, everyone knows in their heart what's good for them and what isn't. Study the seven heavenly virtues. God gave those things to men so that they wouldn't have to figure it out for themselves. Right. You're right. You, there are many times where less is more. But you also don't want to be slothful. You know, you don't want to be lazy. You don't want to be a couch potato. Mm-hmm. You don't want to obsess over things. You right. can get you can get wrapped up in subjects. You know, I'm more enthusiastic about my life and what I do than I have ever been. But I was like this when I was 17. Mm-hmm. I knew what I wanted to do. I've spent my whole life doing the same thing, which there are advantages to. You do anything for half a century, you're going to learn something, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And <laughs> also, I know you speak a lot about, um, you know, the worms in your body. How do you call that? Parasites. Parasites, right. I wanted to talk about parasites and how important it is, because most people don't know anything about parasites. I'm going to so cover that in the lecture, yeah. too. <laughs> it's odd to me mm-hmm. that at one time in the Renaissance, right after the plague that killed off 70% of the people in Europe. Everybody got together every day and they created a, something called a cocktail. Mm-hmm. What does a cocktail have in it? It has vermouth, which is a dewormer made from the flowers of a plant called wormwood. Mm-hmm. It's an artemisinin family. And they would put gin in it. Both of them are things that kill worms. And they would toast and laugh and celebrate mm-hmm. and they would drink this and they would kill the worms inside of them. They killed the parasites. And and they'd eat. They knew how to do that. And that was the upper class, the low or average working class people. They did this. They took something called absinthe, which is an extract made from the leaves of the wormwood plant. And there were other things that they used to, uh, walnut hulls and other plants. There are actually hundreds of plants that kill parasites. If you raise horses, and you don't worm your horse, you will have big vet bills, and you will bury that horse at an early age. Mm. In Florida, if you have a dog, and you don't worm it every month from heart, for heartworm, give it ivermectin, they'll develop heartworm within a couple of years, they'll die. Mm. The, the parasites, we have bred them into unprecedented proportions within our society. Their larvae are in the dust and the air we're breathing. They're in the water. They're, they're, some of their larvae don't die when they get cooked. They're in the food, and if you have organic food, you have more parasites in, in you than normal. The only solution is to get rid of them. I give everybody a protocol that eliminates parasites. It's easy. I, the ones that we use at EPI, there are three phases to it. There are some parasites that are so stealth that they will not take a medication or an herb or anything to kill it. They live off of your blood. But they hate electricity. They hate energy. And if you introduce a low-level amplitude electrical current, it'll cause them to leave your body. Like, um, th- this, is so- this is a field that is extensive. There are 300 parasites that are known to infest people, and there are 90 of them that are common. And... The best example I can give is if you paid attention during the pandemic for about two weeks, India was in the headlines of every newspaper on earth because they were going down really fast. Mm-hmm. And there were gross, horrific pictures that horrified the world in those headlines. And the nation of India gave every single person in the country, I think there were five medicines, five tablets or five capsules. Mm-hmm. Two of them were of a warmer 
that they took to get rid of parasites, and they ended the epidemic for themselves. Mm. That's how serious. Parasites are responsible, more responsible for ill health than anything. They're, they're horrific. They're, they're a re prerequisite to being healthy is you have to get rid of parasites. So everybody needs to do a parasite cleanse on a regular basis, right? Continuously. Mm -hmm. The things that I recommend are their herbs and natural substances. There are even some amino acids that get rid of parasites, but I recommend things that have side effects that are good for you, like they'll stimulate your liver to clean your blood, for example. Or they increase the body's uh, storage of oxygen in the form of nitric oxide and so forth. Yeah. So there are side effects that are very advantageous. So those are the things I recommend. But parasites are so poisonous, even if you take chemicals to get rid of them, you're way ahead. You can go to the drugstore and get those little pinworm stuff that'll kill most the common parasites but i like the herbs because of the side effects they and the other thing too is mm -hmm. parasites will become immune to the prescription medication that you take to get rid of them mm -hmm. people that have horses know this that they'll become immune and if you don't change to a different medicine mm -hmm. i raise horses by the way just in case you figured mm -hmm. it out already i heard you have a lot how many horses do you have too many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard you have a lot of horses. I got a lot of horses. Yeah, and horses are good for your mental health as well, right? Yeah, they're really good for your mental health. Good for a lot of different things. Horses have shown me all kinds of things that I now use in medications that I prepare. I actually developed the medicine to heal non-healing wounds on my horses for my own use. Wow. And I wasn't happy with the things the veterinarian had. They weren't either, so I made something. But... I cannot overemphasize the importance of getting rid of parasites and keeping them out of your system, your children. Most people have them when they're born. They go right through the mother's blood into the baby. And oddly enough, they, even in Latin American countries, third world countries, they still take something, but it's, it's inadequate. They take it like once or twice a year. I recommend people take something for 21 days straight. Dr. Hull's the guy that I trained with mm -hmm. that ended the parasite epidemic. I use, he overlapped the life cycle of the parasite, got rid of them, mm -hmm. killed them once and for all, they were gone. I, I incorporated that into the instructions I give people. And then I have them take something every seven days, which kills any of babies that are born that are not old enough to lay eggs. Mm -hmm. So they stay free of them, except that they are exposed to them all the time. But the, there's a huge difference. Sometimes they come out of you, don't get sprayed if that happens, happens occasionally. All kinds of weird stuff will take place. But sometimes people start having tremendous dreams and they experience tremendous benefits from getting rid of the parasites. Some people will have diseases and they'll go away. Mm -hmm. What age should you start taking a parasite cleanse? Well, I give it to pregnant women so that they're, them and their babies are born without parasites. But at the earliest possible age, they make parasite medicine for infants. That's a dropper that they use... Anthelmintics, herbs that kill parasites that have been sweetened, and they kids take it. It, it. There isn't any age that you can't benefit from getting rid of them. You don't need something else living inside of you, eating your food or poisoning you with their derivatives. So is taking those herbs enough to get rid of the parasites, or do you need a further protocol? Well, I told you, what we do, we start people out on these common herbs mm -hmm. that they can get anywhere. They can buy them at the clinic in mm -hmm. Pompano Beach. 
then after they've gone through, you don't want to kill all the parasites in you all at once because there's so many in some people. Right. They experience that what's called die-off. For those of you that have medical background, Herxheimer reaction. They'll detoxify too fast, mm -hmm. and the body can't facilitate the elimination of the poison. So you want to kill them continuously and gradually. And we use amino acids that are known to help get rid of parasites. But there's the, the amino acids, why, why not use a prescription med? Well, the parasites are going to become immune to it eventually anyway. And they don't have side effects that are highly advantageous. The amino acids that all we use that help get rid of parasites, they also activate human growth hormone, which keeps you young. Yeah, that is correct. Yeah. And mm -hmm. if you're exercising with weights, you get bigger faster. And all kinds of things like that. I, I, and I try to produce the results for other people that I want for myself. And I have a pretty discriminating criteria. But if somebody comes along with a request, I'm very happy to accommodate a criteria more extensive than my own because I learned from it. So the, the Healthopedia that we're going to be a part of in February, do you remember the exact dates? I think it's... I do. Okay. The 22nd, 23rd, and 24th of February. Okay, that's awesome. So how can people be a part of it? What will they be learning at the Healthopedia Summit? It's going to be right here in Boca Raton at the Wyndham Hotel. Correct. Um, so can you tell us more about the process you're going to be putting people through? Sure. Everything they wanted to know about health, but we're afraid to ask. <laughs> No, I'm going to teach people how to establish a daily routine that they can then add to and maintain to transfer themselves from where they are to where they want to go with their health. Everybody wants more energy. I'm going to show them how they can get more energy out of common things. As an experience, I'm not going to lecture and tell you, oh, you do this and it's going to make you feel better. I'm going to say, here, take these things. Mm -hmm. How do you feel? Mm -hmm. And then they can, they, they'll be able to hear each other. And they'll be able to see what happens as their body conducts more energy and changes because it happens very quickly. You can drink a cup of coffee. I don't know if you've ever seen this happen. You go and you sit in a room. There's 10 people there. They're sitting around talking. Some Most people kind of quiet, not too much happening. They'll all drink a cup of coffee. And pretty soon they're all talking, smiling, laughing, conducting themselves in a certain way. That's energy. Coffee is the most widely consumed liquid except water. It's a psychoactive substance. The, the caffeine that's in coffee causes your nervous system to function differently. It causes a release of energy within your nervous system. Animals feel that, but people experience it in a very different way. And there are other plants in the coffee family that have more of an effect on your nervous system. These are things that people are learning to use more of. Uh, hemp is a good example of that. Hemp is something that I remember going to college that hemp was, f seeds were found in every archaeological dig site where prehistoric men were. And I thought to myself, wow, you know, I, it's amazing. You know, these guys were all eating hemp. And everyone in those days, it was marijuana and it was regulated and it was illegal. I stayed far away from it. I was an athlete. I should have learned how to use it, but I didn't know. The, um, it turns out that hemp is such an important food source for people that we have receptors. We have an auxiliary nervous system. It's called the endocannabinoid system. It was discovered by an Israeli scientist. 
And we are not really whole people in the evolution that we're in right now without hemp as a nutritional or functional substance. The cannabinoids, and hemp is a plant that has huge Benefit. Chemical diversity, all kinds of benefits. That's awesome. So we'll be learning about, you'll give us some, some kind of medicine to take natural herbs, right? That will help us give us more energy. Medicine is an application. Medicine is a verb. I know it's, we've been taught to think of it as a noun, but that's not really. Medicine is, water's medicine if you give it to somebody that's suffering from lack of it. I'll be giving you supplements, mm -hmm. nutritional supplements is what they are classified as and showing you how to use them and identifying the effects of them so that you'll be able to tell on your own afterwards if what you're doing is being effective or not. I'll show you how your exercise is affecting you through your own experience. I don't, I'm not a didactic teacher. I give enough data so that people can follow the instructions, and then their experience is really the education. I love that. So it's going to be an experience. It's going to be an we're experience. We're going to come there, and we're going to, it's three days. Yep. And we're going to experience, you're going to walk us through different experiences exactly. to be able to feel better and healthier in our own life and our body. 100%. And by the way, bring tennis shoes. You are going to be walking. <laughs> okay. I love that. I love that so much. So how can, where can people go to sign up for this uh, big event in February? I think it's healthopedia.com. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it, I think the site's up and you'll be able to log on and purchase your tickets and so forth there. Um, uh, if anybody listening mm -hmm. is not sure they can't find it, I'm sure they can contact you or contact me. And yes, absolutely. So how can people connect with you, Dr. Jim? I mean, you do so many incredible things. You can help so many people. I'm already thinking, like, I want to bring my son to you who's got autism, you know, and see how you can support him. How can, you can people you get can a hold of you? You can bring people into the clinic. There, there are two doctors in, in the clinic that do all the intake, and there are several therapists I oversee the, all the work that's being done there, and they they are, they've opened it to the public. Initially, it was strictly for the people working for the PTP Go Corporation, but um, now it's open to the general public, and you can make appointments and come in. And, and I where, oversee where, where everything. Where do they where do they call? How do they get a hold of you? EPI the for I, I will make the information available to you mm -hmm. so that you can call. If people contact you, you'll have all of the information so okay. that they and can. And it's called the yeah. Performance, what's the name of it? Employee Performance Institute. Employee Performance Institute. Yeah, we call it EPI. EPI, okay. And awesome. for, for businesses that are interested in using it or executives, it's PPI, it's the parent company, per Personal Performance Institute. That's amazing. That's they can great. contact me directly. Okay, well, I'm so looking forward to our Healthopedia event together and to learn so much from you because I just feel like you're a wealth of information and I could literally sit here all day and hear you speak because, you know, you have so many stories and you've done she so much. You, you get tired yeah, of me. so it's just, it's really inspiring. And thank you for doing the work in the world and bringing this to us because, you know, we all want to live healthier lives. So I really appreciate you being my guest today. Pleasure. Thank you thank for inviting you so me. Much. Um, I want to thank you all for joining us today um, at the World Healing Tour podcast. Um, till next time, please make sure you have a grateful heart, keep grounding yourself in love and compassion, and always know you are guided by God. Have a beautiful day, everyone. Namaste.